0: It is Sunday, August 7th, and welcome back to the Seatstruck Movie Podcast. I'm your co-host, Curtis, and unfortunately, my usual co-hosts, John and Quinn, are away this week. Uh, but I'm joined by two very special guests, too, uh, some stalwarts returning to the, to the fold. Uh, McGill? Hi there. McGill's rocking an awesome shirt, and we'll talk about that soon, I think, too, in uh, preparation for a very special uh, film today. And Simon's back, too. Hi hey guys. <laughs> great to have you guys back. Thanks for joining us too. So a great very special here. episode today in honor of Simon, our, our usual guest too. And um, we're all big Nicolas Cage fans here. So uh, we're going to be looking, taking on um, Panos Cosmatos. I hope I said his name right. Uh, 19, 2018 film, Mandy, cult film, great movie, Chainsaw Duel. You know, you'll hear more about that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Simon this is your
1: favorite movie too what, what what made it special for you when you watched it why is it your favorite well you know it's one of those movies where you're watching it and stuff's happening and you're yelling at the screen saying no 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 you're not gonna do that no you're not oh my god he just did that um the, the, the I, I guess we're, we're we're not worried about spoilers is that correct oh spoilers are okay yeah we can we can go wild. And, today. Well, the, 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 <laughs> I, I think there, there was a couple key scenes but it was the part where he drinks the the goo the the Bad batch of acid that he finds in the oh, house. Oh yeah, <laughs> he drinks that, and you're like, you just yell, you're the yelling Holy at him. <laughs> he's like, "Why would you drink that?" Gross. And then one little, one little taste of it, and he's changed forever. um What like I liked we'll- about it, man, it was like, it's like a cartoon, not a cartoon, but all the colors, all the, all the, the, the blurring, and the, it's such a trippy movie, and it's mm. beautiful.
0: And it's fun to rewatch too, because you notice things more, like when you rewatch it, I find too. I mean, I mean, it's something Absolutely. for everyone too. It has those as that supernatural element to those weird ass biker Cenobites and <laughs> has a weird, you know, twisted cult. We have Nicolas Cage unhinged, you know, but also kind of serious in part of it as well. It's kind of like a, like you said, it's like an acid trip watching the movie. Cause I mean, it's such an interesting color palette as well too. And uh Miguel, I know you're a Nicholas Cage fan. We're really happy to have you back. He actually has a really cool shirt today. It says cage fighter. Um, and with both well, all the different kind of incarnations of Nicolas Cage on it, too. So I yeah, unfortunately, <laughs>
2: listeners can't really see it, but it's uh, it's like Leave a, it to your table, imagination. a character selection screen for a, a video game. And all the options are different Nicolas Cage's from his different movies. Uh, <laughs> if you look for the, the Nicolas Cage Cage Fighter shirt online, you can see a graphic of it.
0: Did he originally oh, get, where did he get the Cage name from? Cause I mean, he's a Coppola, right? But oh think, man. Okay. So from, yeah. So Mortal Kombat, right? Or was it?
2: No, no. So, Okay. So the, the, my introduction to Cage here is Nicholas Cage is my favorite actor. Mandy is one of my favorite films. Absolutely. One of my top three Nicholas Cage movies. And uh, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of Cage. You're asking about his name because of course his actual last name was Coppola, but he didn't want to be accused of nepotism. Uh, being given roles by Francis Ford Coppola, uh, who he's related to. So he changed it to Cage uh, because he loves comics and he loves the comic book character Luke Cage, who, of course, Mm. has his own Marvel series. Right. Uh, One of the Netflix Marvel series is Luke Cage. So Nicolas Cage is, you know, Cage is is, uh, from Luke Cage. And he loves comic books so much that he named one of his sons cal L. He's just (laughs) a big old nerd. And uh, I'm a real Cage fan. Uh, I even went to New Orleans and saw his grave.
0: <laughs> it's a pyramid thing, right? I hear. It's a yeah, he pyramid.
2: pre-bought his <laughs> his own tomb in one of New Orleans' oldest cemeteries, and it's a big pyramid. Uh, and I went on a cemetery tour, and I got to see the the Nick Cage pyramid up close. And my favorite story about that is he, of course, uh, went bankrupt, and he had five different properties. That he owned in New Orleans and all of them were seized by the IRS, except for they can't <laughs> seize your place of rest, <laughs> even though he's not dead. They can't seize your not grave yet. <laughs> so he still owns the pyramid tomb, even though he lost like all the houses that he owned. Wow. So there
0: we go, folks. If you want to see the eighth one of the world, you can go to New Orleans and see uh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. big ass pyramid. Great. I love it. I didn't
1: I didn't know that one. <clears throat> I just installed my Nicholas Cage shower curtain the other day. I got it. Uh, oh I, look, I love I it. You send me a picture yeah, of that one. That it, looks really it, cool too. It's the, it's the crazy looking face that he's got on. Kiss of the Vampire.
2: Yeah, yeah, the Vampire. This one, right? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's yeah, it. that's the guy. There we go. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I
0: was I was telling uh, um, I mean, there's so many great Nicolas Cage movies. I mean, he doesn't just do this kind of wacky stuff. He actually does a lot of serious roles too. And I was telling uh, McGill before the movie that one of my favorite Nicolas Cage films is uh, Joe, which is uh, set in the kind of Appalachians, and he plays like this kind of construction worker who protects this young boy from his kind of abusive alcoholic father. Actually, really one of his best roles, I think, too. son there's so much. I mean, a lot. of Nicolas Cage gets kind of, I think, unfairly kind of pigeonholed sometimes, but I mean, there's there's lots of sides to him. I think he is a great actor, too. And we'll talk more about Absolutely. that, too. Uh, usually before we talk about the film, though, we always kind of talk about what we watched this week and what we added to our watch list, too. Um, Miguel, I know you're quite a film buff, too, so you probably watched a few films this week. What did you watch?
2: Well, the most noteworthy movie that I watched this week, I have watched a bunch, but the, the one that really stands out uh, is 13 Lives. I watched the new Ron Howard movie about the the rescue of the Thai soccer team in the cave oh, right, that fled yeah, been good story. by the monsoon, uh, starring uh, Viggo Mortensen, Colin Farrell, and Joel Edgerton, and um, I kind of feel like... Uh, when it comes to these like disaster movies based on a true story, you sort of know what you're signing up for. They're usually very like gripping thrillers. Um, I kind of liken this one to like the mood of this one is sort of like a perfect storm or maybe captain Phillips, you know, cause also there's like a lot of water. Um, so it's a, I think it's a really well-made movie. It's very like tense and gripping and, uh, and, and, as you said, like a really quite remarkable story. I learned a lot of stuff about the rescue that I didn't know. Good performances all around. Uh, it's one of those movies similar to like Captain Phillips, uh, where I don't know how how often I'll revisit it, but certainly for the duration watching it, like I was I was in it, man. You get that, that claustrophobia from being in the caves and, you know, it's all very intense doing these long dives. I had no idea that to dive... From the entrance of the cave to get all the way to where the the kids were uh, were trapped, it was, it was like a seven hour long dive to get out there. It's just really quite amazing learning all these things about uh, how they performed this rescue and how impossible it seemed. So. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of Ron Howard as a director. Like, there's some yeah. things that he's done. There's a lot of that, misses. big misses. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like he's almost like a journeyman director. Like, he's mm-hmm. he he's good at what he does in the right applications. I, I don't I really like, care I, for, I like, like, I like, Solo. His,
0: I think his daughter is a better director. Bryce Dallas, I think she's actually a better director than he is. She's quite a good actor as well. She's really hot, she's uh, really hot but, too.
2: <laughs> but one of his I films agree that I, all I all think... one of his films that i think is a standout is uh apollo 13 which is another Mm. based on a true story uh kind of like disaster movie and uh and i i would say that uh 13 lives is pretty i I don't know if it's quite as good but it's sort of comparable i'd say like Mm. i had a i had the same kind of viewing experience he's really good at playing with that tension and i guess maybe these based on a true story movies are where he really shines as a director because I can't really think of anything outside of that I don't know maybe like Willow yeah, or it kind Arrest of like it's kind of like maybe it's like kind
0: of like meh you know beyond
2: that I think exactly, it, it's, yeah. it's, to, but just, this is this is definitely the best thing I've seen from Ron Howard in quite some time
0: and it's kind of an amazing story because all those Thai boys made it out okay I mean and the coach as well the only one who died I think was the Navy Seal right so I mean it was an incredible story um,
2: yeah it's it's really quite amazing uh, and. Yeah, if you have claustrophobia, watch out. This movie is gonna probably make you hyperventilate because <laughs> I don't have claustrophobia, and even I was like, I know this one. I'm
0: kind of keen to check it out too because I mean, I always get kind of suckered into the new Ron Howard, even if it's shit, you know. But I'm I'm kind of interested. Yeah.
2: Well, thank yeah. This, I I would not say this one is shit. I think this is really good. I really liked Viggo Mortensen's performance in particular. I think he stands out. So He's great, like John and two. I was
0: ta- talking about two with Crimes of the Future. He's got
2: that like long COVID, and so I'm nice gonna see more
0: Viggo recently. <laughs> yeah,
2: be yeah. in a while. Um and then the other thing I watched this past week uh was The Gray Man, which is the a new Netflix action movie directed by the Russo brothers starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans and Ana de Armas. I can't say I was very impressed with this one. The the way I would describe it is like imagine a Marvel movie, but take out our, all the Marvel You know, like if you think of something like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which I think is a decent Marvel movie. But if it's not about Captain America, is it as good? Uh, And I kind of feel like maybe the Russos, if they don't have the benefit of like all these long established characters with built in histories and fandoms that have, you know, multiple movies preceding them. I, uh, it seems like they sort of devolve into just cliches. There are so many, you know, like, like I'm pretty sure somebody genuinely says in the gray man, he's the best at what he does. Like they they talk <laughs> in a lot of cliches along along those lines. Yeah. There's a lot of action and the action is all right. But the script just is not up to snuff. And there are some pretty confusing like directorial cho- choices. Mm. A lot of very unnecessary drone shots, for example. Um, And then I'll say minor spoilers here, but this is talking about like the first 10 minutes of the movie. So it's not like a huge spoiler. The biggest problem I had with the Gray Man is that it felt the third movie in a trilogy. It felt like you should have some pre-existing knowledge of this character, even though This is the first movie he appears in. So, for example, like you meet him at the beginning and he's recruited by this shady organization to become sort of a Jason Bourne-esque assassin. And then the first mission he goes on, again, right at the beginning of the movie, is to kill one of his fellow agents. And it has no impact at all because you've barely met the guy. You've never seen him working with this other agent. You know nothing about the agency. So having them suddenly be like, oh, the secret agency is killing off other agents. <laughs> There's no impact. And so I really felt like if I had had like a movie or two before this, where I got to know the agency, I got to see him doing these missions and see why like he has a reputation that's the That's the prequel. The best. That's the prequel. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: yeah, I mean, there, there probably will be a, a prequel or something. But yeah, so I didn't think this one was any great shakes there. It, it's longer than it needs to be. there are a few times in it that I was actually kind of bored. But I mean, if you want like this is the perfect movie to put on if you're like hung over on a Sunday afternoon. So because you don't really have to think too hard about it. There's a lot of energy and action to it. And I don't know. It's like it's fluff. If it wasn't on Netflix, I'd say this is like a like a showcase movie or something. Direct to (laughs) video. Yeah, so thumbs up for 13 lives. Eh, Thumbs down for the gray man.
0: Fair enough, yeah. So best of both worlds. What did you watch this week, Simon?
1: Well, uh, I promised a friend of mine I'd watch 13 lives with her, so I'm holding off on that one. Uh, I watched Minions, uh, Rise of Gru with Maxwell, my son, and we both enjoyed that one quite a bit. Um, And then last two nights ago, I watched, uh, filling in my back catalog of crappy comedy movies from the 90s uh Romy and Romy and michelle's uh, high school reunion i had a few laughs um it was okay um and then i watched prey um i'm just, oh, awesome you yeah. you were gushing all over it so oh i love it uh, but uh, everything that you wrote on facebook i i agree
0: with that yeah, cheers but, man um, yeah. <laughs> yeah i i was i really enjoyed it too and i mean i love the, the i really love the predator 2 as a sequel but i think this is really one of the best the best predator sequel i like as
1: much as the original uh, which is saying a i i agree but they, they really spun a nice original premise on it on a on a, on a very tired formula and it's nice but too apparently uh,
0: there's a there's a cut where there's like all, full comanche dialogue too which i'm kind of keen to see i <laughs> i
1: heard i i heard about that i'd like to see it it might be a an interesting way to watch that not that i've already seen it once and i know the dialogue pretty much means so (laughs) what about you what have you watched this week um
0: yeah so i guess well we can talk about prey first i guess i watched prey as well too uh on saturday great movie too i think it's just as good as the original predator i know it's saying a lot too kind of a different perspective too so you have a young woman who's a comanche warrior and uh it's about kind of finding herself within her tribe too she has this kind of dog companion too really refreshing though cuz you remember the original predator was a bunch of dudes you know sweating and and bleeding
1: you know true it's they 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 flipped the name and they also flipped the the uh testosterone to uh what, what am i looking for testosterone uh, estrogen thank estrogen, you yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well but I absolutely- have the- that little smart thing to say there, and I fucked it up. Well, yeah, because
0: like the first the original Predator is so hypermasculine too. You know, you get Jesse Ventura with the chewing tobacco. I'm like, that was never, that was never manly or sexy, man. That's just gross. Like, <laughs> I, I do not want your chewing tobacco ever.
1: Are you kidding? It makes you a make so, like, <laughs> sexual tyrannosaurus. Goddamn oh, sexual man. tyrannosaurus. Oh, oh, that that was actually the whiskey that he was drinking while he was chewing, which is oh. like a feat that's so disgusting. Oh I can't even man, imagine. Black,
0: blackness in your mouth. But
1: yeah, the
0: new one's really great, I thought, you know, it's, uh, um I like Predator too, but I felt this one was a lot more organized too, and, uh, um, you know, it's from the native point of view too, so you kind of get a native perspective, the, the Comanche tribe is not othered too, which is refreshing too, so it's really nice to have these kind of indigenous and feminist kind of storytelling too, so she's, the, the main character, Naru, she's not sexualized either, she's kind of this strong independent woman too, uh, which I thought was great. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people online that are kind of incels and the, the misogynists were like, oh, my God, it's so woke. But I'm like, well, what about Alien? Like, Alien had a female character. Like, get over yourselves, you know? So it's it's really good. It's really worth watching. Um, I think it's on Hulu. But I think if you do get a chance to watch in theaters, because it's really it's a beautiful to watch. Like, the cinematography is gorgeous, too. So if you get a chance to watch it. If you're a Predator fan, too, I think it's a real treat to watch, too. I mean, it's so fun. My favorite scene, I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler, is when she fights the fucking Predator. And I thought that was so entertaining, too. You know, you see this Predator uh, yeah. go off to bears and wolves and stuff. And then the, the naru fucking bites it and ah, I loved it and they're these kind of douchebag french trappers for trappers too just for uh, <laughs> some extra carnage in the in the mix too but uh it's it's a great movie and also if you like dogs I know there's a lot of movies where dogs die I don't think this is much of a spoiler either. the dog actually survives this movie so you know <laughs> it's really nice there's a scene at the end yeah, where there's uh,
1: a really cool dog too That was a great I was dog like, this dog better not bite it he's so cool Woman's best friend <laughs> yeah i
2: yeah. want to give a shout out to the website does the if you're worried about the kind of things oh, you can yeah. a movie on there and it'll tell you whether or not oh, wow, that's, cool.
0: that's good to know um yeah and there's a wonderful scene at the end too which i really like too uh, where the uh, you know she comes back to her tribe too, and they all do the war the war cry, and I thought that was really beautiful too. So it's nice to have more storytelling like this. I hope Hollywood kind of takes a hint from this too, and I hope it does well at the box office because it was a fun one to watch. I also watched uh, concluding the uh, tr- the trilogy. Uh, my friend Peter and I in Shanghai, him and I have been watching. He wanted me to watch the new Plan of the Apes trilogy, so I finished watching War of the Plan of the Apes. Um, I didn't like it as much as the other two movies in the trilogy. Basically, it's. Uh, it's uh Caesar and his his tribe, I guess, against uh, Woody Harrelson. I love Woody Harrelson, but I think oh. he was really miscast in this movie. <laughs> yeah. that, that,
1: that was definitely the weakest of the three. Yeah, I thought I really, so too. I enjoyed that trilogy, but the third one, yeah, it's a slog to get through. I think and so too. Woody, Woody Harrelson is. Yeah, you're right. yeah he's Pearl kind of miscast in that
0: movie i thought too i mean I, I love woody harrelson but not in that movie i was like you know maybe ron perlman or something i don't know <laughs> but he plays this like rogue colonel who hates all primates and wants to kill them and it, it just felt like a bit of a slog yeah it was two and a half hours and i i didn't enjoy it as much as the other ones it was a nice yeah I, I did a re
1: i did a rewatch maybe a year ago and i made it all the way to the last movie and then i but i kind of fell asleep at the last well through the halfway through the last one but i hear you
2: but yeah, at least well, Woody gets that hilarious line where he says, it really is a planet of apes. <laughs> and, 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 well, I, I remember
0: the, the the first one, was it Rise of the Planet of the Apes, where uh, Tom Felton has the get your paws off me, the Charlton Heston line. And I was like, what's going on here?
1: <laughs> Tom Felton, are you
0: talking
1: about
0: Draco Malfoy? Draco Malfoy, yeah. He's in the first uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And, I don't remember uh, that. Yeah, he plays with the dickhead like who works at the uh animal the, care the,
2: you I guess you could say zoologist, but he's like a jailer. The, his sadist, the sadist character. Yeah. Oh and yeah, they...
1: now I remember. It's a madhouse. <laughs> yeah, I remember.
0: Yeah, because I've kind of had fun recently seeing what what else Tom Felton has been up to. And as mentioned a few weeks ago too, there's this other movie called Rise that I want to check out, and it's about him. Um, I think it's like during the time of Jesus, they're like trying to look for Jesus's body or something. And I'm like, oh, that sounds great. I'm sold. <laughs> so I'll check that out. Um, but I mean, yeah, this one wasn't as good. Uh, but I heard that Disney's actually making a, another film called The Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I don't know if that's going to work because they don't have a Caesar anymore. So I don't know how that's going to, maybe they'll focus on Cornelius too. I'm trying to get my friend to watch the original Planet of the Apes, which I really like. Um, I haven't watched the 2001 movie, but I heard it's terrible.
2: So I don't know if I can get my, Time back from that one. I rewatched it not that long ago and yeah, it's it it's well. worse than when I first saw it. I didn't like oh. it. I didn't like it when I first saw it, and I think it's only gotten worse. Oh dear, maybe I'll just avoid that
0: one altogether then. But um I also watched Tombs of the Blind Dead, that was on shutter Uh this is a Spanish film. It's a great thing about Shudder is they've been bringing a lot of the kind of more obscure films from the 70s and stuff back into you know the limelight. Yeah, I've heard I, guess. That I haven't seen it. it it was okay. Uh, I mean, it was a little bit, it was a bit of a slog, to be honest. It's about uh, uh, basically there's like this, there's a satanic kind of uh, monks, uh, Templar or something, and there's zombies. Um, It's kind of different than like Dawn of the Dead and kind of Night of the Living Dead zombies too. The the makeup was really really good, but this the story was just so boring and so slow. Uh, but the makeup effects are really good too. There, there's this really cool scene actually where the the zombie knights are riding the horse these horses, and I thought that was such a great scene. I wish the rest of the movie was like that too, because otherwise it kind of sucked. But <laughs> if you want some kind of if you're low, yeah. a few drinks and want some I don't know Friday night entertainment midnight entertainment, I mean it might be a fun one to check out. I also watched. I enjoyed
2: uh, the. I enjoyed the Blind Dead movies. I mean, as you said, like they're not masterpieces, but they're they're kind of fun as a spin on the usual zombie movies. Yeah, uh, there are actually four of them. I don't know if you've seen. There's four of them. Seen I, I've only seen this one. Yeah. So ah, the, yeah. There's Tombs of the Blind Dead, Attack of the Blind Dead, which is the sequel, and then there are two that are set at sea called The Ghost Galleon and Night of the Seagulls, and they are all about these zombie Templars, and uh, I mean good old zombie uh, templar yeah i'm I'm
1: impressed with this guy's knowledge he knows
0: (laughs) quinn knows his quinn knows or sorry mcgill knows his movies
1: (laughs) i'm gonna have to check out all all of those now
2: but uh yeah i I mean as curtis said like they're not amazing but i really appreciated a new spin on just a zombie movie where you get these zombie these zombie templars in their cool cloaks riding horses And because they're sort of like ghostly, they sort of play it almost in slow motion. Like it's slowed down and the sound kind of echoes around them as they move. My question is, uh, these are about zombie Templars. Why wasn't it called Knights of the living dead?
0: That makes sense. Wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So yeah. So this one's on shutter. If anyone wants to check that out too, I also watched another one on shutter called what Josiah saw. Um, This was a good movie. It's kind of a Southern Gothic film. Um, Robert Patrick stars, so we we've seen Robert Patrick from you know Terminator Two. Man, he's really old now. Like <laughs> I forgot how yeah. old he is. Yeah, uh, and-
1: catch him in um, Peacemaker. Peacemaker, okay. That's Peacemaker. the show. That's the. Uh- DC comics show on uh HBO. Anyways, yeah, he's on Peacemaker and he did it. Looks like he's been a while since I've seen him, but he has certainly aged. Sorry to cut you off. Not so gracefully. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, because he's really old and he plays this bitter old, oh, he's a nasty piece of work. He plays this old patriarch too. And the film is bi- is set in three parts. So it looks at the lives of the three children affected by this kind of awful old man's uh uh you know, just nastiness too. And there's an oil company that wants to buy their property too in the middle of the Ozarks or wherever they live too. And I've never seen like Robert Pat, Pat you know, he was kind of soulless in Terminator two, but in this one, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's soulless on a whole new level too. So really quite uh, interesting to see that. And, uh, oh, you're still there. Okay, good. <laughs> I thought it froze. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was kind of fun to check out almost too bleak at times, but it was a good story just came out, I think. So that's worth checking out That's everything I watched uh, this week too. And now we'll move ahead to uh, what our watch list too. So we'll be kind of, Wanted to add it to our watch list this week. Why don't you start it off, uh, McGill? Is there anything you you added to your watch list?
2: Uh, only one thing, which is a film called Ega. And <laughs> uh, last time I was on this show, last episode, I was talking about the movie RRR which is this totally bombastic Tollywood film. It's like a historical fantasy action movie that is super over the top and entertaining. And it's directed by this guy named S.S. Rajmouli. And Iga is one of his previous films. After you know, I watched and enjoyed RRR, I was looking through other uh, S.S. Rajmouli films and Iga was very highly rated. And the story behind this one is it's about a love triangle. These two men are both in love with this one woman. She partners with one of the men, but then he is killed in an accident. And after his death, she hooks up with the other guy in the love triangle, except (laughs) the first man who died comes back as a housefly. He's (laughs) reincarnated as a housefly, and he makes it his mission to Take revenge upon the other man in a series of in just insane like traps and attacks. It sounds totally wild and weird,
1: and I can't wait to watch it. Ega, it's called. I I caught maybe the first ten minutes of R R R the other night, and you know, it was pretty wild. I'd like to sit down. Yeah, it's it is night. nuts. It is a really wild one. Yeah, it's kind of a fun uh,
0: poster for e too. I'm just looking at it now and it says the name written in blood. You know, I'm like, oh, that sounds
2: fun. <laughs> yeah, it looks really crazy, but I, I can't wait to check that one out. Great.
0: Did you well, add that's anything it. I, I oh, really just, really just oh, added that one? Yeah. Short and sweet. Yeah. What about you, Simon?
1: <laughs> it's hard to add anything to my list because I just watch it instantly. But um, <laughs> I hear having a, a friend of mine wanted a, the gods must be crazy. So I grabbed that and uh, the gods must be crazy, too, for my Plex. And so I've got both uh, the first one being a kind of a wacky, kind of charming movie. The second one, uh, so the second one's on my list. Um, we'll see if it continues that trend of being kind of an oddball, charming comedy. Uh, also on my list is *Lady in White*, a ghost film from 1988. I've never seen it, and it's been recommended to me quite a few times. And then uh, lastly, I've got *Censor*. Uh, 2021 um, film and oh, that's something a good, to that's, do a, with that's a good one yeah okay All right. I heard good things about it so. yeah it's,
0: it's it's during the it's like during the 1980s when they had the kind of conservative really conservative like video video, yeah, nasty video nasty is, yeah. yeah and she plays one of the uh, censors too and she's haunted by her own trauma and uh she's known for making very severe cuts to uh the films too so that's a really fun one to really throw good throwback especially if you like uh, we did a previous episode on video nasties which is quite fun too so uh definitely worth checking out i think uh yeah, i did I had a few ones to my list this week. So I a uh, lot of stuff on Shudder too. So I, I wanted to watch the This Is Quar, the documentary about the uh, weird Virginia band. They dress up as like weird monsters and beasts. And I think they have like dildos full of custard that they fired audiences. But the, I'm not- the, the
2: late lead singer from Ottawa, one of Ottawa's greatest exports.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, there's a little Ottawa connection there too. So uh, I'm not, I don't listen to their music, but I thought it'd be kind of a fun documentary to check out. So uh, that's on Shudder. I also wanted to watch the- um, The George A. Romero movie, uh, The Monkey Shines, which I hadn't heard about before. And it's about this guy and he gets like this paraplegic uh, monkey aid and the monkey goes crazy and starts killing people. And I I watched that awful baboon. Well, it wasn't awful, but I watched that baboon movie a few. uh, Shockma. 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 I, uh, (laughs) I watched Shockma a few weeks ago and I thought, well, let's watch another killer film <laughs> and uh, i i mean i love george a. romero too so i'm kind of I, I heard it's not great but i mean i might check it out anyway and
2: famously, uh, uh famously uh famously parodied on the simpsons you know the pray for mojo that whole bit where homer gets oh, right the yeah the, uh, yeah <laughs> it's a parody of monkey shines <laughs>
0: i might check that out yeah um i also added um Eye of God, which is a 1997 film. It's quite obscure too. Um, so Nick Stahl, who we've seen in Terminator 3, kind of cool that him and Robert Patrick were in the the movie. What Josiah saw together too. So Nick Stahl, great actor. He always looks like shit, but I mean, he's a really good actor, I think. And I was I like looking through his backstory because he's in a lot of really interesting obscure films through his filmography. Yeah. Um, and he was in this movie from 1997. He plays this boy. The movie about about. Um, I think Martha Plimpton, uh, River Phoenix's uh, old girlfriend is in it too. Um, basically she plays this woman who's writing letters to this guy in prison and the guy gets released from prison. They end up getting married or something. And then there's the boy covered in blood that the sheriff finds. Um, so I thought that'd be kind of cool to check out. I found on YouTube too. So it's, you can watch on YouTube. Um, I was also, I, can, I don't really, I don't like Mel Gibson, but I, I'm kind of interested in some of his films. And I, I was interested in watching the movie, The Man Without a Face and he has, he plays a man with a, uh, facial burn, uh, who ends up kind of tutoring a young boy, and uh, I think the movie's done much better than he directed. I think too, it's done much better than the book too, because I think in the book he's kind of like grooming the boy, which is obviously disgusting. Um, but I heard the movie. Yeah, actually... I've
1: seen. I've seen the movie a while ago. Yeah, did you oh, like uh, it? Uh, I, yeah, it was alright. Um, it's a bit of a, a bit more of a drama than I usually watch. Yeah, <laughs> but I could I could see the book version going in that direction. Uh, yeah, mm. certainly disgusting.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I might get, so I might give it a chance. I don't like Mel Gibson and I don't like, you know, predators, but <laughs> I might uh, check out the film and see if it's any good. Um, I also, I, I love Vietnam war movies and I, I was also looking at Michael J. Fox's back, back catalog. And I, I found the movie Ca- Casualties of War, which I've never actually seen directed by Brian De Palma to who did Scarface. Um, so Brian De Palma's kind of hit or miss for me, but I I love Michael J. Fox, I love Sean Penn, love the performances in this movie too, and I think it's one of those. I heard it's one of those essential ones. I think Quentin Tarantino was gushing, but he's like, "Oh, the best Vietnam uh, movie I've ever seen in my life." You know, like <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so, that was a pretty good. That was a
1: pretty good interpret.
0: Uh, uh,
1: uh, whatever. Uh, I've seen the movie. Yeah. I don't like it. It's uh, uh there's a lot. It's a lot of rape. It's a lot oh, of chilling no. children. Yep. I don't it's, like when it's rape is a plot device. <laughs> uh, yeah, it pretty much is. And oh no. <laughs> it's not like a great Vietnam action movie or anything. It's more mm. like, you know, I, I don't I don't want to spoil it. I'll let you do, I'll let you watch it, but it's not a movie I ever really wanted to revisit. Um, some of them too, of like I, let, it's a bad movie, I,
0: I met Oliver Stone once and uh, uh everyone's asking really? him about platoon, but I I wanted to ask him about Salvador, and he was really excited that I asked him about Salvador. He's like, it's movie he did with James Woods before James Woods was a lunatic. <laughs> but like, uh, he's like, yeah, I'd love to do that again sometime. Then my friend asked him a question about the Alexander the Great movie and he got really annoyed. <laughs> but I mean, I had my nice little moment. I shook his hand and gave him pen to write with. And that was really cool because he, he's such a no-nonsense guy. But yeah, I think for me, like uh, Vietnam War, that movie that I really liked was was Platoon. I think that was a great movie. And obviously Apocalypse Now, which was great. Uh, full, full Metal Jacket, but I liked the, the first half more, obviously. Um, I also <laughs> yeah, added... No, yeah, Jack
1: Jackets two films for sure.
0: Yeah, it is. It, it does. It feels kind of just dis- you feel that disparity when you watch it, too. Um, speaking of Oliver Stone, too, um, I was kind of seeing what he was up to these days. And he's working on a new documentary on nuclear power called Nuclear. And I thought that might be kind of cool to watch. So I added that to my watch list. And finally, exactly. a friend a friend of mine sent me a movie called Earwig. Hadn't heard of it. It's kind of like a body horror, I think. Um, it's about this old caretaker. And he takes care of this girl who has like
2: ice teeth or something and he has to like her teeth are made of ice cubes i haven't seen this but yeah i've been hearing about it for a while now i don't know how i feel about weird
0: it's almost like too weird for me but i mean i watch crimes of the future so and possessors so i'm pretty sure i can watch anything now um but yeah i'll let you know how it is guys because i got a copy i could send you guys a copy too if you want but
1: (laughs) i don't know if it's any good we're going, the movies are going off in like really weird directions. Like we get in Titan where a girl has sex with a car. And oh yeah. Pregnant with a half car baby. If thing. you can think of it, Meanwhile, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love it. <laughs> I love it. Bring me more. Bring weird on the weirdness. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of weird, I mean, uh, um, you know, the movie we're talking about today too, is pretty weird in a good way too. I think it's so much fun to watch. Like we said too. So as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be looking at the uh, 2018 movie, Mandy. Uh, directed by panos cosmatos canadian guy uh, produced by elijah wood too and co-written by uh, cosmatos and aaron stewart on and it's actually based on a story that cosmatos conceived too and i know uh simon you were kind of exploring his filmography too he's got a new movie coming up called i think it's called necroso or something necromos or something
1: i can't remember the name of uh, yeah yeah teaming up with somebody else to write it, and he's um, he's actually not he's, he hasn't really directed that much actually. He did Beyond the
0: Black Rainbow, which is also kind of like an eighties kind of, you know, color palette. Uh, <laughs> it felt like a little bit of like giallo film, like a sci-fi giallo with the kind of wild colors and everything too.
1: So, yeah, did it's you even like, more of a trippy movie than the other one. Other absolutely. Than did you like? Um, uh, I've, seen, I, I've seen both of them several times. Um, I prefer Mandy because it's more of a I narrative. think so too. I, I think there's more narrative, and I th- I like to kind of.
0: I felt the other one was a bit slower, but I I never got bored watching Man- Mandy the whole no, time. No, you know what? The, the, the other one
1: is the, the other one is the kind of movie you put on and you and your friends do a bunch of drugs and watch it in high school or something or <laughs> college. Yeah, because Mandy you can you <laughs>
0: can do acid or
1: you, you cannot do acid and it's
0: still like a fun movie to watch. <laughs> yeah, it,
1: it, both movies provide
0: the drugs, but you can always bring extra. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you watch Beyond the Black Ra- Rainbow?
2: Uh, Yes, I've seen both Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy. And I agree with you guys. I think Mandy is by far the superior film. I feel like Beyond the Black Rainbow is like his warm-up act because you can see, you know, Panos Cosmato's style emerging there just in terms of his use of color, his use of like drone core soundtrack and uh, the way he, of course, composes his shots and uh, the film grain has a very like distinct grainy look to his movies he is, of course, the, the son of George Cosmatos, who's a director, but also a, a cinematographer. So it's no surprise to me that Panos has like this really visual, like visually striking style kind of built in the his family. Work yeah. The beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. His dad was, uh, it, his dad did a bunch of movies, I believe, uh, uh, First Blood Part Two, and. Oh, I love that movie, uh, <laughs> Tambo, um, And the other one, uh, I believe, Cobra. Was another one, uh, and also Tombstone. Yeah, uh, I've got some. I got a lot of notes here. Uh, uh, and Panos himself was a second union di- unit director with his dad on Tombstone, and he used that money to make uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow without any studio involvement. And then uh, Elijah Wood and his production company. Uh, that would be the specter. I think a spectre, is of specter vision. Specter vision, uh, yeah. And they contact, contacted him after seeing Beyond the Black Rainbow and told him they'd support whatever he wanted to do next. Again, without any interference from from others, and Panos got to make the film he wanted to make with Mandy. Uh, as you can see, it doesn't really seem like he had to compromise on like anything. Uh, he wrote it. He wrote it over the course of a couple of years. Took him a while but uh, he uses a lot of experimental techniques to get that film's looks like it's like something very unique. Um, mm. Something we're still talking about all, all this time later. And I think people will still be talking about it for a while.
0: Yeah. Cause uh, John left a lot of notes. Thank you very much for leaving those John. He had said, you know, uh, the director too, he kind of explores psychedelia under a dark and more disturbing lens too. And we have all kinds of things happening in this film, you know, kind of cult, uh, rituals and, uh, you know, demons getting summoned and demons getting their dicks ripped off and <laughs> a little bit of everything in this movie. Um, so, yeah, it's quite an experience. And I, it's 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 hard to describe, Mandy, because I think you really have to see it to kind of um, understand it, too. I think Elijah Wood
2: oh. was really sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'd like to take it, a crack at describing it because I love this movie, but it's hard to recommend because it is so weird. Yeah. And uh, after seeing it a number of times, I've sort of developed some theories about, like, what's really going on in this movie. And one of them uh, is also the the way I pitch it to people. Now, in the film, the character of Mandy Uh, who is Nicolas Cage's partner, maybe wife. We're not totally clear if they're married or not, but they are a couple. She paints this like heavy metal album cover art. She does these amazing paintings of heavy metal album cover art. And one of my theories on this film is that the story we see in Mandy is the story that happens inside the artwork of a heavy metal album cover.
1: Uh That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that before.
2: And I, I mean, again, I guess we're not worried about spoilers talking about this, but right at the end, you know, you see that the sky has suddenly turned into this bizarre tableau with like multiple planets and weird spire-like mountains and all that. And uh, it's that moment where it really sort of clicked for me, and I go like, "Oh, I get it! Like this is heavy metal. This is like a heavy metal story."
0: Chainsaw duel.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I uh, was speaking of this. It's or- a fa- uh,
2: or another theory on it is in the in the movie Mandy is reading that book she's reading a pulp novel that has mm-hmm. some great passages in it I, I love the sort of poetry of the prose that she is reading where it talks about, you know, the, the dark sorcerer thrust his hand into the chasm and removed the serpent's eye jewel, which glowed eerily, you know, with a, a light strange and eternal, Um the other theory I have is maybe this movie is the story that she's reading in that book too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you even think of all the, the kind of the supernatural element too, I mean, it kind of sounds like right out of a heavy metal movie or heavy metal album yeah. or something, or a themed album, Uh really interesting theory. I hadn't, Thought, heard of that or thought of that as well too and I mean uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie as I might have mentioned to you guys is I love that chainsaw duel again it's one of those scenes you have to kind of see to believe uh the director panel said it was a nightmare to film uh you, <laughs> but you know Nicolas Cage with the chainsaw I mean that kind of conjures an image I think automatically too uh, it, it's
2: such <laughs> a hilarious moment too like obviously there is some real crazy intensity to it because it is a duel between two guys wielding chainsaws but i have to laugh every time at the beginning of the scene where he stalks up to his enemy and he's revving his chainsaw and and his enemy the the cultist pulls out an even bigger chainsaw (laughs) yeah he 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 brought a star chainsaw he
1: walks around the corner corner and he's he's trying to start it now he's a lumberjack so he knows chainsaws we assume right well it doesn't start it doesn't start it doesn't start meanwhile big guy pulls out that humongous chainsaw (laughs) and suddenly Nicolas cage is looking fucked (laughs) (laughs) but i I wanted to back up a little bit and just talk about the very beginning of the movie yeah we have that specter vision logo that specter vision logo is so cool so Retro, old school, seventies-looking to begin with, that it matches perfectly to the older visual style that Panos is going for. It's just, it just, it it blends in seamlessly. You almost think it's part of the movie that the logo. Heavy metal
2: guitar kicking into.
1: you got you get get the King Crimson playing, and then you got the helicopter shot. Oh man, what a! It's just a great way to get you in, show you the credits, I and that
2: know. that text at the top too is, is another favorite part of mine. Where uh, what was it say, "When I die, bury me deep," or no? Uh, it, yes, yeah, uh, put to, something about wrapped, um, uh, yeah when I, uh, when I die, bury me deep. Uh, plant two speakers at my feet, wrap some headphones around my head, and rock and roll me till I'm dead.
1: I, I believe that was um, that was said by someone on death row um i think it's a quote from somebody who was executed uh, it's pretty
2: badass
1: and another yeah
2: you know it the as you said simon like the lead-in to this movie really sets the tone perfectly yeah you know, With the king crimson playing that cool SpectreVision vision logo these awesome quotes and then panning over the forest in this like twilight kind of quality like you don't yeah. know if it's dawn or dusk and then
1: and then we see we see Nicolas Cage uh, working as a lumberjack. Um, you see that he smokes cigarettes and doesn't care about causing forest fires because he just throws his butt <laughs> on the ground. And then they get in the helicopter and you learn something about him right away that he doesn't drink. If he, he's a heavy smoker, so you get to assume that he was probably a heavy drinker at one point. So that kind of tells you just a you know a little bit more depth with, about his character. Uh, just by a simple two second shot, showing that one of his, one of his workmates offering him a beer in the helicopter, him saying, no, Uh, great storytelling, show me, don't tell me. Yeah, absolutely
0: too and speaking of soundtrack too you know we have that wonderful king crimson song but we also have an amazing score the last score actually from uh, johan johansson the icelandic composer absolutely too amazing he's a wonderful uh, composer unfortunately he died after this film came out uh, but i think it's a really nice swan swan song too it really captures the mood too uh, you know with the cult i like the cult uh, songs especially too because i thought that really captured it and speaking of which um the cult leader in that movie jeremiah sand played by linus roach um, he actually released uh, an album, I think, last year or two, which I actually really like, too, and it kind of satirizes the whole oh, kind it's super of good. cult mentality. Yeah, it's called Lift Lift Me Down, I think. Lift It Down, Lift I think. Lift It Down, yeah. Yeah, it's with Sac- on Sacred Bone Records, and they actually have, like, this kind of, you know, fake backstory, you know, like, in the 70s, they, they had the lost tapes or whatever, and the music's actually pretty good, too. So, I mean, if you enjoy the song, um, from the movie, it, w- it was a huge hit on Bandcamp and uh, I guess they decided to kind of follow up with this album. The album's great. The uh, bandcamp songs are great. I mean, Jeremiah Sands is such a despicable villain, I think. Um, very manson like, I think as well too. We'll talk more about that as well. Um, but yeah, um, Nick, Nick Hayes was announced as the first as the star of the movie. He' was the, the first person they announced. I think uh, Elijah would kind of got him to get the role as well too. Um, it's kind of some fun facts that John left for us too. So the weapon forged by red was based on the F uh, from the logo for the extreme uh, metal band, Celtic frost. So that, again, we have another kind of heavy metal reference to, which fits, uh, fits uh, McGill see McGill. I think once you've told us that, you know, it's hard to unsee it now. I can't, uh, I can't unsee it.
2: <laughs> I got, there's, there's one more theory about this movie that I'll I'll deploy at a key moment. Um, oh, if, if you want it now, I can give oh, you, that you can well. tell us it now. Yeah. Sure. Um, a friend of mine who I watched this with had a different interpretation of what was really going on with the story. And his theory, I think this is pretty cool. His theory is that Red, Nicolas Cage's character, is a retired monster hunter. And Mandy is a succubus who he, he hung up his <laughs> crossbow for. Because, of course, he's got this crossbow, right, later in the movie where he's got to go hunt the, the biker cult. He goes to his old friend and goes like, I've come, I've come to collect the Reaper. And so presumably Bill Duke, his buddy has been holding on to like what, you know, sacred crossbow of his, his old, his old trademark weapon, the Reaper. He's been holding on to it for Nicolas Cage thinking, you know, if you ever need this again. So um, my friend Mike theorizes that Cage used to be a monster hunter and he was hunting down Mandy, who is a succubus but he fell in love with her instead. And so he retired and that's why they live alone out in the forest away from everyone else. Well, the
0: casting for Mandy is really well done. I think she doesn't, re- I mean, it kind of reminds me of uh, in the shining too, because you, you, when you look at Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall, they don't really look human, you know, they kind of have these weird faces and heads, and, you know, they you did get this really something
2: to Andrea Rice Burroughs's eye with that yeah, scar. Her, her too. Eyes it fucked, really yeah. <laughs> makes her look very otherworldly. But she's yeah, cool.
1: so, I mean, that makes sense. Well, you, like... you definitely get a sense that both both of them are uh, damaged people. Um, mm. my, my theory is that uh, he he was in the v- he was in Vietnam. Uh, Carruthers was his Vietnam buddy. Uh, I don't know where the Reaper came from. I, I still can't figure that out. But uh, and also, and uh, uh, Mandy's damaged too. And you get the sense that it was probably her father who was abusive to her, and caused her face uh, facial scars and, and fucked up eye. Um, again, you, you know, just from the, the information uh, given, you know, that's that's the that's the conclusion I come to. But mm. um, you, you see that Nick's Nick Cage's uh, character Red is definitely just as damaged as everybody else. Um, and he you know looks like like he yeah, they kind of ha- they kind of have a sym- like-
0: symbiosis together that helps them heal which is really quite yes. beautiful and uh, yeah obviously it was a very personal role for Nicolas Cage too um, he was going through the uh, sudden breakup with his 14 uh, year relationship with his girlfriend at the time um, so that was quite hard so he poured a lot of emotion into that uh, Rule to he had a screaming coach, which is kind of cool. I didn't know there was such a thing, but it kind of makes sense. Oh, I mean, it, it's the results
2: are there on screen, though. Boy, does he ever know, right? scream well in particular. Uh, so let, let's talk about the bathroom scene, then. yeah, the that bathroom scene. My Go God. ahead,
1: Miguel, tell us uh, all about
2: it. So, some uh, you know, yet another thing that I love about this movie is that it really strikes a great balance having these like really crazy and uh, striking scenes of emotional gravitas but mixed in with a lot of like tongue-in-cheek humor and one of the standout scenes that I love is of course this scene where uh, Red is in his bathroom and it is this mix of humor and, and like insanity because the bathroom is carpeted in this like gross Orange carpet, it has really tacky wallpaper, and he's wearing like a a shirt with a tiger on it, and then tidy whities and socks. And so he enters this bathroom and he go and he's been just like tortured and beaten up by the cult. He grabs a bottle of vodka and starts drinking it, and then just has a complete mental breakdown. With a bottle of, bottle of yeah. vodka that
1: he had hidden in a dra- bottom drawer in the corner of the bathroom exactly, yes. for an emergency like this, exactly. Um, he doesn't drink until then, and, and then and he, he's uh, using it to clean his wounds. <laughs> yeah, and
2: guzzling it down, and screaming, and sobbing, and just like really giving it his all. Anybody who thinks that that Nicolas Cage is a, a joke actor, watch this scene because. Like, he's giving it 100% or more. He's and really the camera's
1: tracking him, but it's, like, going in and out a little bit. Not yeah. really sure what he's doing. So it tells you that they, even though the camera guy fucked up, they they use that take because that take was, like, amazing. I, and yeah, I love Keith. that.
2: I love that there is a part where he's, like, Cage starts going a bit crazy and the camera, like, backs up a bit and it's like the camera itself is scared of what he's about to do nobody right. knows and what's about to happen that's when he really starts screaming but as i said like it, there is this dash of humor to it you've got this, oh, this sure. scene of such emotional like catharsis and rage and it comes, like, hot on the heels of the Cheddar Goblin commercial.
1: You know, that, that I want, I want, well, that's I want, a great I want, Cheddar, Cheddar Goblin commercial, too. I love the commercial, but I like the part w- right before it where uh, Mandy has just been killed. He's standing there. He's in complete shock. And suddenly he just collapses on the bed uh, right after the Cheddar Goblin commercial. And he's, he's standing there. He's, he's seen the Cheddar Goblin commercial. He's like, Cheddar Goblin... <laughs> and then he, he lays down and then the test pattern comes on the tv and that snaps him out of it and that's when he gets up and does the bathroom scene but that test pattern scene is, it is it's pretty neat it like almost like resets him a little bit and and with enough energy to get get off the bed and go into the bathroom and guzzle some vodka
0: <laughs> well yeah i think i think this movie too i mean it really like i said i think nicholas cage is a great actor i think this this movie really shows that because i mean we've seen him over the top you know one of my favorite over the top nicholas cage performances is in face off uh, john woo's face off which i love and i mean i, I think we watched that one, that awful movie that uh, where he, what was it called, Simon, where he played that, like, coke, he was, like, coked out the whole time. <laughs> I don't that movie was terrible. But I mean, that's like Nicolas Cage unhinged. But we also have a serious roles, you know, like leaving Las Vegas or uh, Dirt or Joe, for example. Um, and here, I think it, it's a nice kind of synthesis. We get kind of more serious Nicolas Cage performance and really shows this kind of versatility as an actor, I think, too. So that, that's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, what was the not name? Not to of get off
2: Mandy, but yeah. I wanted to ask you. Have you seen his recent film, Pig? I yeah, have pig seen it.
0: Actually. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting companion piece to watch with with the uh, Mandy. I, I it was okay. I, I it wasn't. It didn't go in the direction I, I kind of wanted it to go in. I really liked it. Myself, you liked but, it, yeah. Well, for yeah. the audience, it's about uh, he plays this man, and he he has this pet pig who digs up truffles for him, and someone kidnaps this pig, so he kind of goes after them. It's not. It's not the man. It's not the Mandy you think it might be? But it's more kind of a meditative piece too, and just shows like how, you know, attached she is to that to that pig too, and it's really beautiful in a way just how how much she cares about that pig. But to be honest, I mean, I want to see more of the pig in the movie. We only get a couple of scenes of the pig, but um, yeah, it's it's just came out. I think I think it's out of the, the the film festivals now. So,
2: yeah, yeah, I, I, it's it's available to to stream in various places. It came out last year.
0: What was that movie we watched? Uh, Simon with the where he had the coked out performance and. <laughs> Okay, can this- I take
2: a guess? Because uh, yeah, you know, as guess. I said, I as I said, I'm, I'm a big Nicolas Cage fan, and I'm slowly it, yeah. working my way through oh, his entire filmography. I've I've watched 68 percent of his films. Just- was it?
1: <laughs> you have 50 films that are coked up, so I- it doesn't narrow it down too much.
2: Was it Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans? Oh no,
0: that that's a fun one though too, because that's that's because he's Hetzold. really coked yeah, up. Through I- I- that. I movie. feel like Bernard Hedsock <laughs> was just like. Nicholas, I I want you to do another scene and this time don't hold back. (laughs) Just do the whole scene and then we will record it.
1: (laughs) No, it was like before that.
0: I think he he did it with his cousin or something too. And uh, Hmm. there's this one scene where he gets pissed off I mean, it's not a very good movie, but it just like him like completely unhinged, and he just screams like "fuck" and for like ten seconds. And it's <laughs> it's oh, I can't remember the name of it. Maybe it'll come back to me. But it was kind of uh, I mean, it's not a good movie, but it's just fun to watch if you if you want to see Deadfall. Key- that's what it's called deadfall De- oh deadfall i should have guessed <laughs> yeah
2: that's the is most awesome cage really gives it his all every time this is this is why he's my favorite uh actor you know as curtis said he's a bit of a meme but uh show me a nicholas cage performance where he half-asses it i don't think he ever does
0: no he doesn't he always gives everything he's got to and uh just amazing to see where his career has kind of taken him to i hope he gets away from those Zed movies and does more kind of <laughs> more art house or more you know Good movies you know but um yeah more like pig more like pig yeah and um there's also a friday the 13th reference john made a note of it here because i know john's a big friday the 13th fan uh mandy tells jeremiah sand and the cultists that her and red live near crystal lake where jason yeah. Voorhees uh drowned i mean i say drowned in quotation marks because i mean jason Voorhees just never really dies so i mean um that's that's another kind of fun fact about mandy um cage was actually initially asked to play the cult leader jeremiah sand but he wanted to play red and then what as i mentioned elijah would led him to uh, reconnecting to. um and actually um what's interesting too is in that movie uh linus roach i hope i said his name right who plays uh jeremiah sand he has a nude scene and he was inspired by uh margot robbie's uh, nude scene in the wolf of wall street as the incentive for him to appear nude too so i thought that was kind of fun <laughs> so don't flatter yourself linus yeah come on you know you're not marco robbie but i mean maybe you can you can think you are (laughs) but uh yeah it's kind of a fun fact so it came out in uh sundance festival this is that was its premiere in early 2018 and then it was widely released in september of that year too it had a limit limited cinematic uh, release on uh, september 13th 2018 playing at a maximum of 250 theaters and was released on video on demand on September 14th. I don't know if you guys got to see it in theaters too. I watched it on video demand, but no. I, I kinda I would like to see it in theaters because I feel like it's a very cinematic film. Oh as sure as
2: well. I was lucky enough to go to the one night engagement that oh, wow. where they showed it in theaters in Toronto and then it was oh, out on streaming true. the next day. So <laughs> I was I'm happy that I actually got to see it in theaters for my my first viewing.
1: I, I think they had a a five year anniversary thing where they brought it back to theaters for a night. I missed it.
2: Yeah, definitely worth seeing on a big screen if you can, if you can find it.
0: Yeah, it's like the new prey. I think you know it, some films are not meant to be on the streaming websites. I mean, they just deserve a full, uh, full release. Um, right, so yeah. when it came out, too, uh five got five stars for Dirty Movies. Um, Stephen Lee Nash called the film a blood-soaked revenge caper, he praised uh, the director for a masterful approach that aligns him with Kubrick and Lynch in delivering perfectly believable and fully realized worlds and characters that operate within their own laws of physics. Yeah, so physics kind of go out the window in this movie in a beautiful way. <laughs> Meanwhile, film critic St- Christopher Stewardson said the film is sure to become a, a cult favorite all its own too. And I think we're part of that cult too. It also helped to re- rehab uh, Nicolas Cage too. So he was kind of in a career flunk at a bit of the, at the time too, you know. He was always popular, but he was doing a lot of those kind of Zed movies at the time too. And his performance was praised and he'd also do well next year uh, re- re- teaming up with uh, Richard Stanley for Color Out of Space, uh, which is a Lovecraft oh, yeah. adaptation. Yep. Um, so yeah, kind of good times for for Nicolas Cage. Budget of fifty million, uh, but only made about twenty five million. And oh, uh, I do
2: have I do have one last story about Mandy. Uh, if you're interested. Oh,
0: we're always interested. Yeah. Go for
2: it. I love this movie. As I said, it's one of my favorites, one of my favorite Cage movies, and all my friends know it and uh but not all my friends love this movie the way i do two of my friends uh sarah and callum are their names they weren't too keen on it they saw potential in mandy but they didn't really like it last year for my birthday they collaborated they wanted to collaborate with me on a fan edit of mandy where their their goal was to like cut out everything they didn't like about Mandy and just leave only the good stuff, the, the best bits version. And they sprung this on me on my birthday. And they, and then they said like, we need your help sort of bringing this thing home. So the three of us all worked on it together to create this Mandy fan edit. And it was a really interesting experiment. I think the movie's great. I don't think the movie needs touch-ups, but working with them was really fun because they came away from it from the experience enjoying Mandy and they they liked it now. And uh, in a way it was sort of the best birthday present they could give me was like turning a movie that they were so so on into a movie that they really liked. And one of the things that they did that I thought was very funny uh, that they changed was they, they uh, changed all the slow motion to be regular speed which cut down the movie considerably because there's a lot of super slow motion. And uh, it's, it was just a very fun, wild experience putting that thing together. We also uh, made a built-in drinking game where the Cheddar Goblin pops up in the corner of the frame <laughs> and time. you drink. I'm trying to, trying to remember all the rules we had, but you drink when there's fire, you drink when there's magenta, you drink when Nicholas Cage <laughs> screams, you know, things like that. And if you
0: haven't um, seen if you haven't seen the cheddar goblin commercial, just YouTube, it's so it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's, also it's hilarious. Commercial. I love
1: I
2: love all the merchandise that has come out of Mandy. Like you can get yourself a stuffed cheddar goblin, uh, you can get a, a box of cheddar goblin, cheddar like, goblin. macaroni and cheese. You the can tiger actually get shirt.
1: <laughs> The tiger shirt's yep. back on sale. But the only thing is, I live in Florida and I'll be able to wear that like two days a year yeah, right. a long sleeve. But I do have the Funko, Pop, Mandy, and Red figures. uh, They're sitting on my TV. Amazing. Yeah. um, Just so uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, the critique that the film is very slow and boring. Mm. Um, You know, the people that say that must not watch, watch a lot of movies because it's really not that slow. I mean, the beginning, the first 20 minutes sets up the whole mood and pay, and not the, not the pace, but the whole mood of the film. You get, you get this. You, you find that you know Mandy are Mandy and Red are you know they're, they're damaged, but they love each other. Um, they've pulled back from the world, a uh, world that's probably been cruel to them. Um, and you know that's the first twenty minutes or so. And once you get through that, I mean, it really picks up pretty quick. When you know once Mandy's walking down that road and she sees the cultists um and uh one thing we, we talk about is that whenever this whenever we have the red filter going on um red is uh often symbolic of death and, I, and i've watched the movie enough where you know that you, you see when you see the red film when you see the red uh, all over the screen you know that something diabolical is going to happen soon and that happens when she first sees, sees the van's van with the cultists um
2: I think a uh, lot of people expect it to just be crazy from the get go. I think that that's sort of one of the things, but in fact, it's sort of like, it's all this buildup for, it's a two hour movie and the first hour is a lot of buildup. And then almost exactly at the one hour mark, everything changes. And then it becomes the non-stop crazy movie that I think people are expecting
1: all the way through. You find the uh, stillbirth deer in the woods and, you know that's very super symbolic of of you know the death of innocence that's the way i see it at least um so there's a lot of symbolism going on a lot of show don't tell and he takes his time and i appreciate that for me it's a perfect movie i wouldn't change a thing actually i really wouldn't um Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that it's a perfect movie. It's just the perfect movie for me. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, I'm you, right you, there, man. It's one of my all-time faves.
0: You you felt very personally connected to it uh, too, Simon, I think, when you watch it as well.
1: Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, And the, the baby bird story that Mandy tells, it's it's probably the most unsettling thing in the entire film for me. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just... It's just uh, just really hits home with what what she's seen, <laughs> you mm. know, the little her her father killing the baby birds with a crowbar and smashing them so hard into the ground it makes a little grave for them. That's 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 tough stuff, man. Mm. It's very heavy, yeah. especially especially
0: where you see his kind of grievances too. When when Mandy dies too, I mean that was pretty pretty intense too. Um, did yeah. you guys have any other kind of points or any kind of things you want to talk about with the film? We get to well, our I readings. did want
2: to ask you something right? yep. uh, here, Curtis, the directed towards you. Knock, knock. Who's there?
1: <laughs>
2: Eric Estrada. Eric <laughs> Estrada who? <laughs> Eric Estrada from Chips. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> we talk, we talk a lot about the, the emotion at the core of this movie, but I always like I, I think about all those scenes of grief and mourning and distress and like anger and rage. And it always ends up looping back to, but there's also this little bit of humor in there. There's also like a funny little thing. You're talking about uh, Mandy, telling the story about the the baby birds and how distressing that is but like again right before that we have nicholas cage talking about my favorite planet is galactus the planet eater right <laughs> or the, or like even, the,
0: even even the song kind of make you laugh a little bit like jeremiah sam was righteous oh man, yeah yeah fucking right i love
1: that song <laughs> and I, I know almost all the lyrics by now i was just reading the. so good but you know what the thing is is it sounds like a folk song created on a different planet. Mm. You know that doesn't sound like a folk song. Yeah, because it's know, kind of it's carpenters. kind of like
0: those weird like Manson. You know when Manson was making. Yeah, it, was, like, it sounds like the Manson well, songs well, and like you know or like, like uh
1: or the the Lords of Salem. Yeah, and, and like and 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 like, and like Manson,
0: he's also kind of this like you know he takes it very personally when he his musicianship gets kind of you know Uh condescended to and you know he calls his victims pigs too so i mean there's a lot of kind of manson parallels too i was kind of uh i was just looking at the uh because sacred bones records has this great like fictional write-up of uh of uh you know his backstory his fictional backstory and it says uh you know, just to give you a little tidbit, the story of Jeremiah Sand is one of legend. A cult leader moves to California, brings his followers, the children of the new dawn and takes over a recording studio and makes his possessed psychedelic masterpiece. After the cult breaks down in a hallucinogenic and cocaine fueled chaos in the mid 70s and the strange disappearances start happening in town. Jeremiah and his right hand man, Brother Swan, flee in the middle of the night, instructing the studio owner at gunpoint to put the master tapes in a lockbox and await their return they're never seen again so uh yeah it's kind of a cool kind of fictional backstory too which is really great so i mean it's amazing how much the mythology of the the movie and and it's kind of the, the kind of meta-narrative kind of um comes into the real world uh too so really mm. great i think it's like you said Simon. i mean it's it's really i don't know why people think it's slow i think it's really entertaining uh for me i i really enjoyed it it was a four out of five for me strong four so uh i liked it too and i think uh, you guys gave it five out of five I, I guess each did you have any five stars five star
1: yeah yeah i got a couple more points i just want to want to touch on um you got richard Brake, one of one of my favorite actors these days uh doing a quick part as the 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 chemist um and there's something weird that goes on and i wanted to pick your mind about that uh pick your brains about that so uh, red shows up and he and the chemist is making sheets of acid and there's like this droning music playing and you see this golden luger next to him too he chooses not to go for the luger but he makes a motion and suddenly the tape stops almost like he's got like magic powers or something now this at this point red's already taken the biker lsd so like the biker is he's like changed for life. That's the way I see it. He's like completely fucked now. And, and you notice that he never talks normally after that. He's always got that low voice. But so is he at that point, is he, well, is, I don't, you don't, you don't trust what red is seeing anymore, whether it's not hallucination or not. Um, and i um, see, so you, you wonder, you know, does the chemist have magic powers or is just this part of the, is a part of the hallucination? Anyways, the, the, that tiger scene with the chemist is so great. Um, I, I really enjoy it every time, and I think Richard Richard Break is fantastic.
0: Nice, had an actual tiger in it too. I like tigers, so yeah.
1: Um, a couple other things. Uh, I like how I like I like it when he's lights a cigarette off the flaming severed head of the demon biker he killed. Uh, I love it when he snorts a giant pile of cocaine off a shard of broken glass after cutting the throat <laughs> of the fat demon biker with a knife dick who loves to do coke, watch porno, and fuck people to death. And you know, you, you see you see the bodies of the people that used to loan the house at, at when after Nick Cage gets free before he encounters the uh, the cocaine biker guy. And you can see that he's the cocaine biker guy is like uses knife tick on him. is pretty gruesome. Um, but uh, yeah, though, so there, there's some really over-the-top stuff there. Uh, and I just, just, I just love
0: it. Yeah, so much to enjoy. and just It's all the little scenes that make it really worthwhile, I think. So I think with you guys, you had five out of five, uh, four out of five. Uh, I think John had uh, four and a half out of five So I guess it's a combined total of four and a half out of five, which is pretty damn good. So Hell great, yeah. great modern kind of cult movie there uh definitely kind of good replay value too so there's something new to it every time and and obviously lots of different ways you can approach the film to different theories uh different perspectives too and just a great uh movie to watch so i'm really excited for this new movie to come out whenever it does and i think that'll be worth the wait um and uh, yeah, yeah so I, I would expect be a couple of years but uh I can't yeah remember. probably it's always worth the wait though isn't it with him um it is so uh yeah so next week we're going to be talking returning to the john carpenter watch series with vampires which you can watch on netflix too uh james woods before he was fucking a fucking lunatic again <laughs> but probably maybe uh, debatable a- i maybe think was, this maybe- might have
2: been around the turning point yeah maybe he
0: was always an asshole so this is a 90s carpenter too so we're kind of getting to the end of the carpenter watch series too we've got uh, ghost of mars and then i think the ward after that too um and then we're also going to oh, have you a- the best for last huh
1: yeah <laughs> we're always uh, I don't... We're gonna...
0: <laughs> i'm afraid to watch the word but i mean that's all part of it i guess but uh you yeah, i don't we're also... i don't
1: want to watch ghost of mars again
0: no i don't either <laughs> i might i've seen enough <laughs> um we're going to also uh uh do an episode on uh, the best sequels so sequels that are better than the original movies so Ooh, uh, stay tuned. Fine. you guys are always welcome back too i just want to say thanks to both of you for kind of coming on the show today great to have you guys as always and you're always welcome back too so uh, a pleasure We'll oh it's up.
1: been great i love talking about my favorite movie
0: yeah well maybe we'll uh, we'll talk to quinn and john and maybe we can uh, <laughs> have you guys sleep in a little bit for next time too so thanks for waking up early i guess and uh being being there for, to be with us so yeah uh, thanks so, for having me yeah you're welcome so we'll catch you guys next time and thanks to all the audience for listening and yes take good care mandy and <laughs> we'll see you next time
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Cheddar Goblin, did you eat all the macaroni and cheese? Nothing's better than cheddar. Cheddar Goblin.